Blog Talk Radio. The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to 
Corey Sproul or Vinny Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. life 
prematurely, you know what I'm saying, in the streets of New York City, in Brooklyn, in Flatbush, not too far away from, you know what I'm saying, where our other brother lost his life. And I'm saying all that to say that I can't necessarily identify whether it's a, 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 a trend that's revisiting, you know what I'm saying, the heydays of the city where things were kind of like out of control and off the hook, you know what I'm saying? But just constantly seeing and reading the headlines about these recent stats of, you know, retaliatory violence and unnecessary violence and things just sporadically popping off and people lighting up block parties and birthday parties and as we, you know, as we've seen with our brother that lost his life, Sharif, shooting up wakes and things of that nature. And every time a weekend commences, there's a high tally count and different reasons, whether it's Baltimore, Chicago, or New York, things of that nature. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just think that our attention should be prepared for what appears to be, you know, a, a very volatile summer. You know, not only in the streets of New York, but this seems to be something that is going on around the country. And mm. I'm saying all that to say this leads into a larger discussion, you know, and this larger discussion, of course, I'm going to use it to segue into some other things that are going on in the media right now. So this larger discussion deals with self-identity. This larger discussion deals with, you know, who we are becoming as a people, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that when I sit back, I'm looking at a departure from human empathy and people, you know, and the young brother got killed downstairs while I was doing the show and the I was with Jackie, you know, and that her son, that's her best friend. That's her son's best friend. So this young man is like 28, 29, you know what I'm saying? Cool brother, not, you know, into no trouble or anything of that particular nature. He had a fist fight with a young man. You know, he settled things the way that things were normally settled. You know what I'm saying? He got the best of this dude, and the dude came back couldn't live with the defeat and he shot him eight mm. times. Okay? Killed him in cold blood. Sorry so this is like I said, a repetitive cycle because, you know, when we lost our brother Sharif, it was the same thing. You know what I'm saying? He knocked one dude out for something that he wasn't able to let go of from twenty years ago. And this dude came back and let him have it. You know what I'm saying? So we can't say that people are not necessarily engaging or entertaining their feelings. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. what we see is um, molested egos. You know what I'm saying? People that have bruised egos. And they get in their feelings, and their feelings result to, you know, 
them acting out in a particular manner that results in homicide. But on the flip side of that, what I'm noticing more than anything that would hurt me the most is the response that I'm seeing from the peer group that surrounds these individuals that are dying, whether it's Chinks Drugs, whether it's Sharif, whether it was this young man, whether it's other people. You know what I'm saying? It's so lackadaisical that they just, the way that the, the lack of human empathy for a loss of life, only from the outer community, you know what I'm saying? Not only the fact that, you know, there's little babies that be getting killed in the drive-bys and there's no marches and no protests. I'm not going to get in that lane and get on that soapbox. You know what I'm saying? I'm just talking about what I'm directly witnessing. The homies that would sit up there and smoke with you, the homies that will, you know what I'm saying, go to the club with you and drink with you and do this and do that with you. And these young men are losing their lives. And these dudes is like going back to playing video games and watching the, you know what I'm saying, the Eastern Conference Finals and laughing and giggling. And the shit is like within 10 minutes. So mm. there's no phase button no more for loss of life. The value of life is undervalued. You know what I'm saying? It goes back to the cost versus value thing. What do we value as a people in the society? You know what I'm saying? Do black lives really matter? Can we discuss this shit? You feel me? So mm-hmm. I'm just perplexed at what I'm seeing in terms of how you know, nonchalant people are these days about the loss of life, about people that are close to them. It's like everything goes back to normal or back to business. And the business that they're going back to don't even pay the bills. It's like the business that they're going back to is just entertaining themselves and numbing themselves and, you know what I'm saying, getting blunted on reality and what have you and, you know what I'm saying, looking for another excuse to crack the bottle, you know. And I'm just like, damn, for real? This is where we had it. But when Bruce becomes keenling that. Yeah. <laughs> I can go there. I can go there. That's Family, nice. the, uh, the chat room is open. Check it out. The some on the timeline <laughs> and so when Bruce the human emotion that I'm seeing pour out of our sisters of our brothers, you know what I'm saying, in defense of yeah. somebody's decision, alter their agenda. I don't know what to call it. You know what I'm saying? And that's not me, you know, that's not me. I don't judge people, I'm not judgmental, you know what I'm saying? But I do I'm you know, I'm 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 conscientious of things that I see enough where I'm able to form a uh, calculated opinion based on my analysis of what I see. Yeah. So that was safe. If I say that my name is God Almighty, and I want you to start referring me to God as God Almighty from here on in, the first thing you're going to say is, nigga, did your mama name you that? I ain't calling you God Almighty. Mm-hmm. But now I'm reading the news and they're telling me that a woman named Caitlyn Jenner won the gold medal in the Olympics. A woman by the name of Caitlyn no. Jenner no. So I'm was saying, on that Wheaties box. To, Remember the Wheaties box? No, yeah, the Wheaties box. And family, I'm not saying this in jest by saying 
based on the confer- no, I'm saying that based on the news and how they're reporting it, they won't even refer to him in the news anymore as Bruce Jenner. They're saying she won the gold medal in 1986. So <laughs> I'm like, whoa, hold on. You're trying to rewrite history in real time? Say that whatever transitional period this man went through to become, uh, you know, um, Caitlyn, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's when the period of Caitlyn started. You can't retrofit that and be retroactive, you know what I'm saying, 20, 30, 40 years in the past. You can't rewrite history like that. But that's what the point of what I'm saying is that the outpouring of emotion in defense of that decision, which is a personal decision, even though it's being played out in public, you know what I'm saying? He even said in his yeah. interview, the only people he cared about is his children. So why do people care so much about this decision? That I've seen theses in defense of it. I've seen people talk about, yo, I'm about to cut people off on my timeline because, because what? Because they're they not have riding with Caitlyn. They about what they see, and 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 they're trying to rationalize something that has now become. A public issue So it's just like that, You know the place where we decide to put Our focus our attention and our Energy It's just bugging me out You know what I mean But the larger conversation That we need to have Because I've been listening to a lot of Neely Fuller As of lately And that's just a cold Cold wake up call that this brother Serves up You know what I'm saying Mm-hmm. This is not your society yeah. to begin with. See, we have this false premise. Oh, how can they do? That's yeah. How can they do it? Because that's their. This is their society, so that's what they're doing, and you just participating as the audience. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why do people think that they have the power? The only power that you have is to turn your TV off. The only power that you have. Just ignore it on your timeline or modify your timeline. But you can't change that situation. This place is not yours to change. So I say all that to say we segue into tonight's conversation about an opportunity for you to, you know, probably merge into a situation that you might have a little bit more control over. And tonight's guest is going to talk about her experience back in Africa. You know what I'm saying? When she went abroad. And mm-hmm. what that pertains to. You know what I'm saying? What that experience is about. And what's available for you. Really? Somewhere where you can call home. Somewhere where you can lay down what your laws are. Somewhere where you can actually have an effect on society that is your society. This is not your society. They continuously are proving that to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just because you pay taxes to this place does not make it your society. Just because you send children to school in this place school. does not make it your society. Mm-hmm. Just because you have made contributions or your people have made contributions. This ain't your society. It's clear. This ain't your media. 
know what I'm saying? Facts. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody's cramming to fit into the low of a crowded ship. Just got holes in it. And I'm just sitting back and I'm looking at it like, oh, wow. Okay, that's where we at? For real? Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely where we at. You know? That's a learning lesson, though. Um, it's definitely a learning lesson. This Friday, that just passed, you know, I want to share this quick story with the family to um, a realization that I came up that, that I had to undergo on a work site. Uh, I almost had a near fatal accident. The work site, as, as anybody that's listening to the call is familiar with construction sites, you know, you know that that's one of the most dangerous places to, uh, you know, to work one of the most hazardous places to basically do the work. And um, I was doing my job. I was, you know, cleaning um, cleaning out the stairs. We're demol- we were demolitioning a, a three-story building in Manhattan, demoing it, breaking it down brick for brick with um, hand tools. And um, I was told to clear the stairs because it's, it's a hazard to have debris on the stairwell and um so i obliged and uh, i went downstairs to the first floor with the shovel and um you know put my music up <clears throat> listening to my friday night mixtape fabulous you know have my hard hat on just doing the work now one thing about construction that i respect is the serenity that it's able to afford me um, because I'm able to get into my thoughts, you know, I'm able to zone out and, um, you know, just, it's very therapeutic for me. I'm able to think in those situations while I'm unloading, you know, getting, getting some steam off, you know what I'm saying? Swinging that sledgehammer and, uh, or shoveling bricks, throwing it down the chute, filling up wheelbarrows and stuff like that. I don't know. I guess I'm just weird like that. It just works for me. So, you know, and I'm 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 utilizing affirmations and other things that I've been picking up from um, books that I've been reading, just about programming the subconscious, like the show that we put forth about uh, the subconscious and things of that nature. So, being in a in a in a very physical environment, you know, um, being in an environment where there's a lot of repetitiveness such as, you know, pick up the rock, shovel them, throw them this way. It's like a cadence to me, you know what I'm saying? So I'm able to kind of like use that to program my mind as I'm working. So I'm doing the work, shoveling, do da 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 Then in front of me, because two floors above me, the uh, my, my, my Ecuadorian brothers is, is up there, and they're clearing, they're, they're like clearing off the beams. The beams are what hold your floors together. You have your wood panel mm-hmm. on your floor, but when you pull up your floor, there's going to be large beams that hold up the framework. 
and everything, but it's supposed to be on the other side because, you know, I'm on the stairs, cleaning the stairs. And I had I had a, a my um, foreman was supposed to protect me. Make a long story short, when a small rock fell, I was like, you know, it, it kind of startled me. Then as I went to step back to remove myself from the stairs, I felt a thud hit my head. And it reminded me when I was a teenager, we used to play softball. And um, I took a pause, like major pause on this. I took a ball to the head, to the helmet. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Lord, I hope they don't catch that major pause. Took it to the helmet. And um, it was like, it didn't knock me out or anything, but it didn't even knock me down. But the force of that of that mm-hmm. hit, you know, it really like made me fear in a sense the fastball because I was like, damn, if I didn't have this helmet on, I could have got brain damage. Like you know, it was coming real fast. So that was almost similar to what occurred with the brick. Like when I look back, this was. was family, this was a boulder. When that's what we're talking about, a cement boulder, you know, uh if it even rolled off if it if it would have hit my back versus my head, if it would have hit my head and then hit my spine, I probably could have, because 'cause we're talking about a velocity coming from the third floor. And um that was a wake up call. And later on that day, I would say an hour or two later when I'm upstairs, I had my harness on and everything. We're working on the beams. I stepped on one of the beams, and the beam gave out. Oh, collapsed, you know. And underneath, because we were breaking up all of the wood, so you have, like, you know when you set a bonfire up and the wood is standing up and things like that? The shit looked like mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat fatality, like mad wood with nails sticking up. So... If I were to fall a floor down, I would have fell with all of the weight of my body onto a, a, a whole thing of wood with nails sticking up. And oh. then the beam probably would have fell on top of me. Oh, so. That have been, so, <laughs> been, yeah, that have been super night gangster. So, you know, I, I was dealing with a lot Friday. You know what I'm saying? We didn't even do the broadcast. I, I kind of, like, came home and just went to sleep. And, um, you know, at first I brushed it off when it was happening. Because, you know, you're on the site. You know what I'm saying? you got to show some bravado. You know, it didn't really occur to me the seriousness of what was going on at the moment as well. Because, you know, we on the site. People just... Whenever something happens like that, you all right? Everything good? All right, let's keep breaking shit up. Let's go. We got to take this building down. And I was, you know, but then later on, as I'm thinking about it, you know, I'm thinking about my children and stuff like that, and I'm just thinking about, you know, I've been in Harlem. I I, I was, like, on 125th Street for 10 years, you know what I'm saying, doing what I'm doing, you know, Doing the work too, and that was a whole that was a whole other thing that I wanted to talk about, but we'll touch on that later. And I never really got my life threatened 
in, a, in, a, in twice in one day. I never almost lost my life in a situation like that. You know, no, nobody's throwing rocks off at the top of the Apollo. You know, it never went that far. So it just was very interesting. Um, to anybody that's in the construction industry, you know, I just get, I tip my hat. You know what I mean? I definitely, you know, and like I said, this whole situation is self-imposed. It's like a discipline. It's me venturing into uncharted territories, challenging myself, putting myself out there, putting myself on the line, you know, um, being able to relate, being able to be like, look, I understand with this nine to five. And I work, I work seven to five thirty. Like I don't even do nine to five. I do seven to five thirty. You know, and then to top it off, I got jerked on my check. You know, so that was, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm the ancestors is maybe giving me a lesson. Maybe the ancestors are telling you that nine to five or seven to five ain't your cup of tea. Maybe this ain't for you. Maybe they trying to hit you upside your head and tell you something. Did you get a reading I'm, I'm, in terms I'm, of your, your, your cosmological chart? Do you know where your planets was at? Uh, nah, I didn't take it that far yet. I didn't get into, you know, I didn't get into the reading aspect. I was scheduled for one on Sunday, but it didn't work out. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I was in, you know, I went into meditation. I, I went into self-imposed, you know, exile and sat down with it. You know what I mean? It went over a few things. And, you know, the the the, the spirits told me keep pushing. You know what I'm saying? Just be, you know, keep pushing and be careful because heavy is the head, you know, it wears a crown. You know, you will be tested, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's just it's interesting, you know what I mean? It's very interesting. So that's about it, you know. I don't want to go too deep into it and start getting all philosophical with it and going all over the place because we did pass the 930 mark and we do have our guests on call, I believe that's our guest with the one 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 one. Hold on, one second. Mhm. Yes, indeed, fam. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's get into honors again. Like you said, yeah. I want to honor the workforce. You know what I'm saying? Word is burned. the people that are out there. Gotta honor the work doing the daily grind. The nine to five, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? To me, y'all are the most important amongst us. I mean, I'm 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 from the creative crowd and the idealists and everything of that nature, and the entrepreneurs, and of course we are important as well. But you know, it's 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 a symbiotic relationship. You know what I'm saying? Workforce Very symbiotic. is duly important. Mm-hmm. You know, I, irregardless of what they say, you know what I'm saying about the um. The, the the automatons and things of that nature, you know, I know a lot of happy people that got jobs. I know a lot of stable people that have jobs. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they might not have been born to be the superheroes amongst us. You feel me? They might be born to be the people that are able to exhibit a level of stableness amongst us. You know what I'm saying? They might no. be those that are, you know, um, in that position to do what it is that they're doing. But I'm also reading this important book right now called Lynchpin. 
You know what I'm saying? By mm-hmm. Seth Gooden. And, you know, I also would implore and challenge those people as well to know if you are working in these positions, nine to five as a workforce, you know, know that, you know what I'm saying, make sure that you are indispensable, make sure that whatever talents that you do have, that they are going into your job. Don't ever sidestep your talents for a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Don't ever, you know, put your creativity in the lower drawer and the bottom drawer and shit. You know what I'm saying? Because you need this paycheck for stability. You know, always find an outlet. Always find things, even after work, that stimulate and excite and bring your imagination to the surface because that's who you are. You know what I'm saying? We all have our assignments. We all have our gifts. We all have our talents. The school is not put in place to cater to those things. School is not put in place to uh, afford you, you know, the free reign to develop those talents that you have. School is there to quash that and to make you a laborer. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the jobs is Mm -hmm. cool. Stability is great. But push yourself, challenge yourself to do better. You have it in, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully that could be the perfect segue to where the show is going tonight. So i shoot it over to you. Let's make it happen. All right, family. Let's get it in. Join us tonight on KTL Radio as we welcome back to the program our beloved sister, Dr. Makiba Judge will be sharing in detail her month-long trip to the motherland of Africa, more specifically Namibia in southern Africa. We will discuss the abundance of opportunity awaiting a family ready to invest in African ventures, the truth about the modernization of Africa, the role China and India plays in Africa's development, the different tribes, Mm -hmm. the emphasis that Africans place on education and family, and much, much more. Without any further ado, call it from the one, one, one. Peace, and welcome to Know the Ledge Radio. Is this our sister? Peace, Sister Makiba. All right, hold on. Makiba, Sister uh, Makiba, if you're in the call queue, press 1. And we will open up your line. Press one, please. Okay. Call it from the six four six three three four. Peace. Hello. Peace. This is Makiba Judge calling. Greetings. <laughs> Greetings. I forgot to press the one. <laughs> It's all good. You've been out the country for a while. I know. It's all great. Forgot how to use things, right? You get like three passes. <laughs> oh goodness. No doubt. Hello, now. How you doing? How's everything? I'm doing well, and I, you know, I'm, I've been doing my research on my end, and I can't wait to talk to everyone about what the average person can do to if they want to invest in Africa. So I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Indeed. Excellent, excellent. Real brief, can you introduce yourself to the family? We do have new members who may not be familiar with you, so just a brief uh, intro, if you don't mind. Sure. 
Yes, um, I am based in Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Nikiva Judge, um, acupuncturist, um, herbalist, uh, yogi, Pilates instructor. Um, my life is based in health and fitness. However, um, I travel a lot. I travel around the world, and I love to come back here and talk to my people um, about the potential for opportunities outside of the borders um, of the United States. <clears throat> and um, you know, try my hardest to really expose um, my people here, especially in, in the New York community, to um, to opportunity and investment um, spiritually, financially, you know, in other places. And I'm all about expansion. Um, I have a company that's now a global company, uh, Petalwise, uh, primarily focused in women's health. That's P E T A L W I S E. Um, I can be reached at uh, petalwise.com or info at petalwise.com. They can see more of the offerings there. Um, Recently took my trip to Africa, and uh, that was my first trip to Africa. Although I have many African friends here, it was my first trip to Africa. Um, And uh, so I'm here to talk to you guys about it, but we we can discuss my um, my history. I'm just so excited. I'm so lit up and excited to talk to everyone about Africa. So... (laughs) You know, enough about me. Uh, (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Indeed. So give us a brief rundown about how this trip came about. Is there a backstory to it? Is there something that compelled you to take the trip? Did you get an invite? Did you win a prize at Coney Island? Like, (laughs) what happened? Oh, gosh, yeah, that's funny. I wish it was that simple. Um, Just brief backstory, uh, my center in Brooklyn uh, Third Root Community Health Center um, is where is my primary my primary business. Um, just one day, I happened to get a visit by a woman who was referred to me from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, where I did some of my training uh, for treating patients uh, who are receiving chemotherapy and radiation, treating them with acupuncture and herbal medicine uh, to increase their quality mm-hmm. of life and hopefully um, help their uh, their cancer status as well. And um, in walks this beautiful African woman, uh, dressed down to the not to the nines with her, uh, her African fabric, and said she was there to see me. I had no idea who she was. Um, I didn't bother googling her name. I just treated her like any other patient. Um, I get a call. Um, she told me that she does have help, have homes in Africa, and so I thought that that was wonderful. But you know, I didn't think too much about it. Uh, long story short, turns out that this woman um, is basically uh, married to the incoming president of Namibia and uh, invited me to come treat her and her family um, in Namibia. And so um, I, of course, jumped at the opportunity, especially when I heard that, you know, my expenses would be taken care of and that I would be shown around Africa and treated very well and um, especially not having been to that side of the world, I, I I went and I ended up staying there for about a month, and it was a wonderful, life-changing trip. Wow. Okay, so let's go on this journey with you. We want to be very visual and paint the picture. I'm talking Serengeti-type visuals. <laughs> um, what were the first... That's when you stepped off of the plane, what would be the first thing that came to mind when you breathed first the air impression. and you began to look around? Yes. Well, as you can imagine, it's a very long trip. I was um, traveling for about uh, 17, 18 hours. 
so my first impressions coming off the plane was, thank goodness, you know, I'm out walking around and that it's pretty hot and dry. Yeah. And I was uh, surprised at how modern everything was, very, very modern, coming off uh, the runway and getting taxied back to the airport. And, um, you know, it, it was it was very, very modern. I was shocked. You know, there was a, a big uh, Mercedes-Benz limo waiting for me and, um, you know, with all the uh, the Western entrapments. <laughs> I saw a lot of those on the road, a lot of those at the airport, but pretty much everything that you find at an American airport, uh, you'd find there, um, mm-hmm. particularly in those southern African countries. Uh, Johannesburg especially, uh, way more modern um, than Namibia, but also, you know, Namibia is right pretty much at that same status of just arriving at any small United States airport. So I was, I think I was pretty surprised at how modern it was. Um, yes. And, um, yeah, and, and how how wealthy this country seemed to be, like, right off the bat. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Okay, okay. All right. So you get to the uh I'm assuming to the to your hotel or to the palace. You know. <laughs> to the home, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, indeed. And um how was the hospitality? How was how was the uh relationship? The reception. Um, you know, the reception. Yeah. How were you received by our brothers and sisters in, the, in Namibia? Um, oh, also, first impressions, let me just say, um, as I was driving through the savannah back to the home, uh, we did pass the president's uh, country uh, home, which is on a nature preserve, and that was very beautiful. It looked like any country home that you see in the, in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And I was... Um, so so that, you know, just the, the modern, the road, the infrastructure, as far as the roads, I was really shocked at how well-maintained these roads were, much more well-maintained than they are here. You could eat off the ground. It's so clean there, and it's all brand-new roads and things like that. Um, so much higher standard than we have here. Um, I was also shocked at the level of security that people have around their homes, very, very high gates. Uh, to protect them, and I was told that this is common in all of Africa. Um, so I'm sure mm-hmm. some of your listeners who are familiar can really uh, can understand, you know, my shock and also my fear as well. But I was told that that's just for for precautions, and that's just you know people build these huge walls around their property with electric fences and barbed wire and all this stuff just as a precaution. So I was pretty shocked seeing that. Um, but coming to the home, um, it was it was lovely, absolutely lovely. Uh, the house, from what I'm told, is an old Dutch colonial house or, or Dutch colonial mansion uh, that we were in. Um, she actually owns an apartment building right on her property, uh, which she leases out to um, to Namibian Polytech students. Uh, the campus was actually right across the street from the house, and um, has many friends over there at the Namibian Polytech. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very modern, very wonderful reception. I came into the home. There's uh, maids and nannies and housekeepers and all that kind of stuff going on. And I was so, certainly not not used to that back here in the states. I was surprised also at the you know the sheer size and scale of everything, um, and also pleasantly um, surprised and happy to see you know people of color living like this, um, particularly mm-hmm. to see African people living like this. 
And so that that was probably the majority of what I saw there. Um, although we did get a chance to drive through what you would call the ghetto or the slum, um, but it's definitely not a large part of what Namibia is. And, um, you know, there's resources there as well. So, you know, there's positives and resources there. But in the area I was in, which is the main city of Winthrop, um, very surprised to see how cosmopolitan, how modern, um, all the amenities that you could expect for, in, uh, you know, that you could expect in America or in, traveling to Europe or anywhere were there. Mm-hmm. Um, very mixed city. You had lots of Asian people there, lots of Caucasian people there, and, um you know, everyone, you know, was was heading to work. I came in on a weekday, so, you know, everyone's rushing around to work. And, you know, it was, it was lovely, a very, very lovely reception when I came. Indeed. What are some of the roles that you notice with the uh, foreigners, the Asians the, and the Europeans? Uh, primarily the, um, the Asians, I would say, uh, that Asian people, I would say there's a very, very large Chinese in particular, um, uh, population there. And most of them are in mining and fishing. Uh, they pretty much states themselves, Mm -hmm. although we did have the opportunity to meet with some of those mine, uh, owners, um, as we went to one of her friend's country estates, um, out in, uh, Omaheke. And um, they were, um, you know, very friendly, English-speaking, um, very much wanting to integrate and make some African friends. Um, I found nothing but peace and kindness in them. Um, you have mm-hmm. different populations of, of Caucasians there who have been there since uh, the early 1900s uh, from German and Dutch occupation. So uh, the Germans that are there, some of them are are friendly people and some of them are, are you know, you can tell that they've got their segregation mindset and their racist mindset. Um, but that was mm-hmm. definitely few and far in between uh, with them. Uh, those people are mostly business owners, mostly finance people, um, the Caucasians there, uh, mostly, tour, you know, uh, hospitality owners as far as hotel owners, casino owners, and things tourism. like that. Uh, yeah, exactly, tourism. Um, and they also own the game reserves, uh, preserves, excuse me, and the uh, most of the farmland as well. So farmland, about 40% of the um, farmland there is owned by Caucasian people who've got these long, um, centuries-long contracts on the land that they basically came in and just took, um, you know, from their old families, and they've just had it in their possession for that long. So um, Mm. that's pretty much what I saw, yeah. Blue, you there? See if Blue has any questions that he wants to ask. No, I'm here. I'm 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 going along for the ride. I'm just venturing <laughs> along. So just let yeah. her roll with the story. Yeah. So yeah, you could basically just begin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we dropped our bags off and took our shower, our obligatory mm-hmm. shower. You know, <laughs> we're, we're on the porch right now. And, um, oh, yeah. you know, let's, let's just let the journey begin. Take us on a ride. Yeah, you know, it, it was very interesting coming um, as an American. Um, I would say Africa is very tribal. So even though I had a, a very positive reception, it still is, you know, it was made clear to me, like, you know, you're an American and, you know, you, you know you're not one of us in that way. 
And so I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean it in a cautious way. I think that Africans are just very cautious now to everyone, be it Asian, white, or black people, because, they, you know, they've been used and abused for so long and they've been through so much that they basically want to know what you're doing here, and they just assume that you want something from them. So I didn't take that personal at all. I, had to, I understood that cautious, that cautiousness, um, but it was also cautious optimism, um, you know, because I was treated like a sister, you know, from another world, basically, and they had a lot of questions for me as I had a lot of questions for them, Um they are very much so influenced by what they see on television. Like they couldn't, they they can't really understand hip hop culture, and <laughs> they had a very difficult time understanding that. They asked me a lot of questions. They wanted to know if this this was real, if that was real. I got this question a lot, surprisingly, and don't laugh, but I got this question a lot. They asked me about Illuminati because they've heard about that, and they're so scared to death, and they were so worried, and asking if I knew anybody who was a part of it, and they're asking, is this um, celebrity, this black celebrity, a part of it, and so I, you know, I got I had a little laugh about that. It was it was um, cute, <laughs> but it was a, definitely a real concern for them. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's that YouTube. I said that's that YouTube, man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what people's exactly. brain. It, it, yeah, it, it had us mm-hmm. when we were younger. So I understand. Mm-hmm. And they they they're very much influenced by that, and they see the things that they see on TV about. Um, African-American people here have leave them with a little bit of a bad taste of African-Americans. They cannot understand why we allow ourselves to be uh, put out there like that. And they, they're very much um, into taking full autonomy. I don't know what the word is for that, uh, but they feel like, you know, well, don't you control your image? You know, don't you control what kind of roles you play on television and don't you control – uh, what kind of music you put out there and how you talk to each other, and they can't understand for the life of them why we call each other the N-word. They can't uh, imagine why we appear in, like, these, you know, ratchet shows and things like that. So that left them with a pretty bad taste in their mouth, especially, you know, with some of their uh, religious influences that they have on them and as well as, you know, all that they've been through. They feel like, well, haven't you guys been through some horrible things too? Why do you allow yourself to to be put out there like that? And so that was something mm. I was constantly trying to explain myself and constantly trying to, like, explain all black people in America, which was really tough. I think that was probably my biggest challenge was being looked at in a negative way. They actually look at African Americans more negative than they look at Europeans. Um, And I found that to be very common, very, very common amongst um, the the, the women that that I met from Botswana, from Angola, from from, um, Zambia, and uh, from Mozambique and also, I'm sorry, excuse me, Zimbabwe and Nigeria, so and South Africa as well. It's like, you know, they kind of looked down on me uh, because they felt like, you know, I didn't have good African values growing up as an American, and, they, you know, they see what they see on television. They see the worst of us, and they have a very, very bad view of us because of that. Mm. So, yeah, so, you know, that, that, that was very interesting, and, um, you know, how we uphold ourselves, how we occupy our space here, how we occupy our time here. They just can't wrap their heads around it. You know, our dependence on systems here, um, uh, they can't They can't understand why we aren't more entrepreneurial. And I had to explain, you know, that not all of that is by our doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly mm-hmm. no expert to, to explain that to them. Um, but they, you know, they had a lot of questions about that. You know, I was basically getting um, 
you know, um, I was being surrounded by the women in the community asking if I had this training for my marriage and my family and my husband, why don't I have children yet? You know, um, why don't I have a business? You know, uh, this ki- this type of business. You know, they wanted to know how many mm-hmm. cows do I o- do I own, and you know why you know why how don't you cows? know? So I had to ki- how many cows do I own because ca- you know wealth is still to a lot of people they are still measured by cow ownership and um, things like that. So you find that very common in Africa, even though it's very modern. You do still find uh, wealth being measured in farming. You know, in their your, your farm, what how many animals you own and things like that. And um Wait, you know, so, you so they had many you questions. The, you didn't throw the cow under the bus for them? <laughs> you didn't, you Listen, didn't eat the, the cow, cow is revered. The cow is revered in southern Africa because remember these yes, people were cow herders. These people revere that cow. If you see the Herrera women, I don't have pictures of Herrera women because um they're not very common. Um a lot of them were killed off by the Germans, so because of that, you don't see, um, and during various wars, you know, tribal wars as well. But if you see the um, the pictures I have are of the the, um, the uh, Himba women, and one of those pictures are not mine actually. That's that was one of the pictures leading into my trip. But the woman, the picture of the woman sitting down is a Himba woman. Uh, but the Herrera women actually wear the horns on their head. Um, they 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 make their clothing in the shape of horns, and that's how much they love the cow. It's a huge meat eating society. Uh, that's primarily what they eat for lunch, dinner, and breakfast. And um, so the cow is probably okay. the most important. so they eat beef, you saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. And the cow is considered money because I just saw the story about the uh, the guy that offered the cow the dowry. dowry for oh, Malaya yes. Obama. <laughs> yes, like, yes, I got these yes. cows. It was good. Talk What's up? Me. I got this uh, premium grade A. Let's oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. That is very, very real. Very real. You know what I had? I said, as 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 adventurous and as inventive as Africans are. This was one of my arguments with people that said that mm-hmm. we were a, a meat eating people. I mm-hmm. said, man, if the African had come up with the hamburger, there's no way we could have been into beef like that. How did they get the drop on us with the hamburger? Oh Do you think God. this cow thing is recent, or is this something no. that's very traditional? Oh, no. Okay. No, the, the San and the Nama people um, are actually some of the oldest people on earth. They are the they are actually thought to be the oldest people on earth. Uh, they're very short people. You can always notice a San person. Like, I don't know about you, but when I go to D.C. or to L.A., um, I can always pick out the Afri- the, uh, the Ethiopian and the the uh, the uh, um, the uh, Somalian communities because they have that same look to them. Well, that's the same thing with the San and the Nama pers- uh, people. You can pick them out of a crowd. You just know what tribe they come from because their history is so long. Um, they've been herding cow and eating cow for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, and they, that was primarily their diet. These are desert people um, with very small cow farms. And they, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, what's so amazing about Namibia there is no fabric in Namibia. So I came there looking for dolls. I came there looking for fabric, and they don't have one. They don't really have it. They never really made textiles. They just wore uh, hides and things like that. And uh, the, the textiles that they bought from the, uh, from other countries or that, that was bought to them by other countries. And so they don't have their own textile. And so I found out, like, just how 
uh, how important the cow skin was to them, but they are a meat-eating society if I've ever seen one in my life. <laughs> These people are heavy, heavy-duty meat eaters, and it's definitely not nothing. What about <laughs> fish? Oh, what Lord, fish. fish. Very, very funny. So I came there, and we, we go out to this woman's uh, summer home out in the coast, um, which is called uh, Swakamun. And so uh, we're out there, and she has a mussel farm out there, and it's a beautiful house right on the beach. Um, and um, I asked her about fish and fish restaurants and things like that. And because I, as we're driving there out to the coast, I see all these PSAs, these these um, these big ads showing people how to eat fish and telling them not to be afraid of fish, not to be afraid of eating it. So apparently um, she apparently there's okay this is so bizarre but they are so new to eating fish they actually have to teach the people how to eat fish they are not fisher people this when i say this is a meat eating society this is a meat eating a red meat eating society springbuck um ibex uh cow lamb goat you know that's prime that's what you're going to get mm-hmm. lunch dinner and breakfast and some pork but uh but that's what you're going to get lunch dinner and breakfast they will not eat a meal without red meat inside of it um fish is very very new to them uh it's so new that when the chinese came over and asked to fish their waters and basically fish them to almost obsolution um excuse me um fish them to to you know obliteration i'll say that uh to fish their waters they said go ahead and take it we don't eat that and so you, you, when you go out there to the coast, you see these massive Chinese fisher, uh, fishing ships out there because they just they don't eat their fish, and they're just now starting to realize the benefit of eating fish. So, but um, on the other, you know, on the the other side of that, they don't suffer as many chronic illnesses as we do. <laughs> so, but their life expectancy is a little bit shorter. Uh, than ours, but they do not suffer from um, high rates of heart disease and diabetes and things like that, um, even mm-hmm. though the diet is primarily primarily red meat eating. And what about the vegetables? Would blue pill be able to survive out there? <laughs> well, um, it, that you know, that, that would definitely be a little rough. I thought I sent you guys a picture of one of the green shakes that I was making. Um, I will say that um, the, the thought of making a green smoothie, which I had to hunt for, hunt to find my celery, and um, which looks nothing like the celery here, spinach, which looks nothing like spinach here. Um, most of their vegetables and fruits are imported from South Africa and from Asia. Um, and, and once again, that's just the idea of eating vegetables and fruits are, are also very new to them. Um, even grains are not even a big thing there. It's more like you eat your red meat, you get your water, and you survive. You know, we, you know, it, you are stuck in a sandwich between two deserts, basically. And so they, because of that, there really is no Namibian cuisine. And so I spoke to, you know, so, some of the uh, the Europeans that I spoke to and the other Americans that I spoke to um, were also equally disappointed that there was no authentic Namibian cuisine that we could, <laughs> you know, that, that we could sample because it, it just isn't, you know. Um, it, it Okay, I'll say it like this, and this is not an insult because I did say this, you know, while I was there. Going through their so-called slum, um, their uh, Katatora slum there was very, it, it looked a lot, like like what I saw in that movie District Eight or District Nine, I don't remember mm-hmm. what that what District that movie was. Basis, yeah, District Nine, where they just basically are butchering animal parts without even cutting the fur off and just throwing it on a grill. 
that is mm-hmm. probably as close to Namibian cuisine as you're going to get. So, <laughs> so their cuisine they borrow a lot from uh, from people who have come there from Angola. Angola has a very nice cuisine, um, and uh, the cuisine of uh, the Portuguese, the French. So most of the restaurants you find there are going to be Portuguese, French, German restaurants uh, because there just really isn't a Namibian cuisine. You you can find places, stops on the side of the road that just sell grilled meat, and oftentimes you see the Namibian people line up and they're just getting their, their grilled meat, and that's, you know, they're good for dinner. So. They're good, for, good to go. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let's talk, about, let's talk about the mind state of entrepreneurship that you were yeah. – um, that you were amongst. What are what 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 were you um exposed to in regards to the uh forward thinking mind state of the uh Africans in Namibia dealing with um self reliance, uh mm. entrepreneurship and um all other things. Investment and things like business. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to say that uh, that um, that I was, you know, it really put things into perspective for me, um, and it did cause me to go through a little bit of a sadness for our people here and for my own situation as well. Um, many of us um, in America, if you look at what wealth standards are, are either working poor or lower middle class or just plain, you know, straight out po- uh, living along the lines of poverty. And that's the majority of black people in America because we don't have, uh, you, you know, this is not an emerging market. America is not an emerging market. There really aren't many new ideas unless you are of the elite in technology. And um, uh, so, you know, a lot of those opportunities that are available to people there are just not available here. And so you did. I did get an opportunity to meet a lot of Europeans and Americans who had come there and capitalized off of those emerging markets, and you know, off of that that emerging market is, is what I should say. And um, because of the fact that that there aren't too many choices, most companies have a monopoly. So yes, you have cell phone service out there, but there's only one cell phone provider in all of Namibia, and uh, mm. I think is like the, the the majority owner for like 90% of Southern African countries. Um, so there's a huge opportunity so, to come in there and yeah, bring a I'm cell phone company there. Yeah, massive. Yes. Right. Okay. Um, there's like Thank one you. film production studio. So you can come in. So I did meet with an American um, from Atlanta. There's like this big population from Atlanta there, which was very strange, and some New Yorkers as well. Um, a lot of Brits out there and things like that. But anyway, um, so you met these people who just started a restaurant selling any kind of food from where they're from, doing fantastic. I met a young woman from um, from Atlanta who actually met a, a man who she was going to marry, didn't turn out marrying him, but she's opening up like a, a soul food diner out there, and you know it's 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 amazing. It's going to be fantastic because they you know they, this is food that that's really their food, you know that that's being reintroduced to them. And so um, so she's opening that, and, you know, the, there's not many barriers to doing business in Namibia also and to many African countries. So um, the opportunity, the entrepreneurial opportunities are just so, so huge. Um, you're talking about con- uh, countries now with populations that are coming into wealth, um, big middle classes like in Nigeria. They are basically the... the uh, you know, the, the economy of what we were back in the 80s. 
So you saw a lot of African-American people building wealth and things like that, high education right. so, rates and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. These, these are the emerging economies of the world. Yes, this new middle class that needs to be nurtured and yes. taken care of. These people want their right. modern technology, you know, because these people are well-traveled. Yeah. They are well-traveled. They've been all over Europe. They've been, not all have been to America, but I, I believe Africa is much more tied into Europe than they are America. So they've been all over Europe. They've been all over um, the Middle East. And um, some of them have even been all over Asia. And they come back, and they want those same amenities. So when a person is able to come in and capitalize off of that, they do extremely well. Um, I talked to an American who started a film production company there, doing great. Uh, one of them is that's uh, trying to start a broadcast company there. Just opportunities that you would just never be allowed to break that 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 door. You know, you'd never be allowed into that door here in the states. Um, you'd never be allowed to own your own mine or, you know, start um, managing a mine or something. You wouldn't have that opportunity here, but there you'd be able to, to do something like that, and you'd be doing very yes. well, you know. I want to uh, speak to you about that because that's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Do you know what particular minerals are um, in abundance or even present in that region? Um, yeah, there's lots. Um, Namibia is the number one um, exporter of diamonds. Um, they're also ex- uh, uh, mining tungsten, and um, what else do they have there? Um, a lot of the crystals that that we try to get our hands on. I think Namibia is the number one supplier of crystals, uh, like Peter's. Wow. Uh, yeah, Namibia is number one for, uh, for crystal mines and things. Um, lots of, I think cobalt may be there in yeah. that area, but I think diamonds are number one. And as you know, we need diamonds to power our car batteries, our phones, uh, these weapons. NASA needs diamonds. So diamonds aren't just for jewelry. Diamonds, the majority of diamonds are used for weapons um, and for electronics. Yes, Drill, right, mm-hmm. industry. Yep. Yes. So, um, so mining, yes. And there are, what's so wonderful, I sent you a picture of the uh, the Forbes magazine. So there are versions of Forbes in Africa just for black women, which is wonderful. I bought those magazines back here. And um, so mm. you find out about direct um, investment in some of these companies. And there are small artisanal mines in Africa. So um, so what you find are these, these small mines where, where women, uh, a lot of them are women-owned uh, because a lot of the larger mines uh, are owned by men, uh, some foreign, some African. And the thing is that, um, you know, the thing about Africa, I have to say, you know, a lot of times we see this country is taking advantage of Africa, this country is coming in taking advantage of Africa, and a lot of it is just simply not true. And I know what, what we see on television, what's going on is an exploitation of lax regulation laws. And who sets those laws? It's not the Chinese, it's not the Indian, it's not the Europeans. These laws are set by African leaders. And so if the people have any frustration or disappointment or or any issue, it's with their own leaders for allowing people to come in here and take advantage and exploit these, these lax laws that they have. How are you able to come into my country with this huge millions, you know, millions of people population and come in and do what you want? It just doesn't work like that. Somewhere, somewhere somebody's getting paid to do that, and they have no problem with people, with foreigners coming in to, um, to, to, to 
to to utilize and to exploit the natural resources. However, the people have to get a cut of that. The people have to uh, benefit from that in some way because Africans feel like, well, we don't have the technology to extract diamonds or to extract uranium. So, and also at that time, it was no, of no value to them. So therefore, they didn't care when people were coming in there. They really didn't. I had a chance to speak, you know, with the president's family, you know, with people who are who own mines and things like that, and people mm-hmm. who own the land that mines are owned. And they said, well, "How on earth would I have taken that uranium out of there? I don't. Own, I, I have no idea how to do that. Nobody in my family knows how to do that. No one in this country knows how to do that. We don't have the the equipment. There, there's no way we, right. we would have been able to do that. The capabilities, the equipment, the capabilities are not there." So, um, so, so the thing is, yeah. Real quick. So mm-hmm. you mean to tell me that the Pan-African is from America? The Negro Association <laughs> in America? No, I'm dead ass. Uh-huh. Because they've been talking about this for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've been they've been they've been romanticizing this trip mm-hmm. to Africa. There's these planes mm-hmm. that went missing with the Malaysia Airlines, and they never <laughs> made it over there. I'm trying to figure out what's the problem. Why, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to figure out why is it that China got the jump and other places, mm-hmm. India went up in there when all of these African Americans mm-hmm. that love Africa and keep romanticizing mm-hmm. the continent never made it there. Mm. That's a good yeah, question. They, they, and your guess they is never came, as good as They you never know. came back with the Rob report. Like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. People aren't telling the truth because they're not able to get in touch with um with the people, you know, who are higher up. So I do I do think that this trip that I took um was very unique and that I was able to actually speak to the policymakers and to the wheelers and dealers. And um, you know, I did I definitely did not expect my first trip to Africa to be like that, but it was a blessing to be around these people who who um you know, who, who deal with people who run mines and things like that and who can tell you about direct investment. But for anyone looking to invest directly in mine, I, I had to um to look inside that, that Forbes magazine actually. Um I'm gonna try also to find some way to get that magazine delivered to my home here in Brooklyn. Um, so that I can always have that magazine on hand because you just don't see this kind of thing in our regular magazines and news uh, publications and things like that. But if you're in, interested in um, investing directly in a mine in Africa, a small mine, um, and these some of these investments are as low as $1,000 because these women may, may just need some more shovels. They may just need some more picks. They may just need a small machine that doesn't cost us anything, but that may cost them something mm-hmm. um, or something, you know, wheelbarrows to lift up the, um, you know, the, the, um, the, what is it called, the titanium. So, but, but anyway, getting back to, to what I was saying about the people coming in, you see um, there were Africans, Africans who did own their own mines, especially in Ghana, and they were mining gold, but however they were throwing the titanium out in the garbage. So they, they didn't even understand that titanium was valuable to people all around the world. And that's lack of education, that's lack of, you know, of, um, of Internet and things like that. And so, you know, the Chinese may have come in and said, hey, they're throwing out their titanium. And, or or the, the, uh, the uh, Indians may have said they're throwing their titanium out in the garbage. We need to go over there and get that. So if you want to call that taking advantage, you can. Uh, but that is the story, you know, that's the story that I see, that I've seen over and over again and also that I've heard from the people over and over again. They said we just did not know the value of our own resources. And so people came in, sometimes by force, but usually not, 
and exploited that ignorance that we had. But now we're learning. Now we understand the value of that. Um, so these women, these these women in these um, mines, and you can go to IndabaMining.com, I-N-D-A-B-A, mining, I-N-D-A-B is in boy A, Indaba Mining or MineAfrica.com, and you can see um, the women who own these mines and uh, what it would take to invest in these mines. They they hold um, webinars and excuse me and seminars directly in <clears throat> excuse me in Africa um, and in the United States and also in Europe, where you can learn more about exactly what they need, what your uh, return on your investment would be, and things like that. So uh, that's if you're interested yeah. in mining. Mm-hmm. But there's there's many other opportunities that I have uh, to tell you guys about. But but the mining I think is would be wonderful. I think that it's best to probably go visit some of these mines. I would probably take a trip. The thing about Africa, you're looking at a very high uh, high risk, but also high reward because this is what they call frontier market or a um, emerging market. Um, so there, there's all there's still a lot of corruption in Africa. There's still a lot of instability. Uh, but you do have some less unstable countries like Namibia, um, like what Kenya is going through right now, they, with governments actively investing in um, combating corruption and things like that. So you want to look at countries like Namibia, like Kenya, like Botswana, like Ghana, where they've made an active investment in cutting corruption and things like that. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Please tell us about more of the opportunities that await us? Mm. Okay, so um, so one that I found, uh, which was very, very useful, um, and a company that I already deal with, which is T. Rowe Price. Uh, this is a company that manages mutual funds. Um, if you guys don't have um, Roth IRAs, you need to go get one now. They're very low. Uh, they're low fund, excuse me, they're, they're, they're uh, no-load funds, uh, which means that there's no cost to manage these funds. You only need about $100 to get in, $50 a month to maintain, although you may want to put more money towards that. But T. Rowe Price, this investment company, does have a Middle East and Africa fund. So it's called the Africa and Middle East Fund. It's available through T. Rowe Price. Um, And this fund is up 50% over the last five years. And they're showing pretty much a 10% return on investment. So if you had invested about uh, $10,000 10 years ago, you would have seen a 10% um, return on your money. And just to put that into perspective, if you're investing in a CD or something like that, you're going to see, what, like a half a percent return? This is what they're offering in the United States as far as, you know, returns on your money here. Um, Most uh, mutual funds don't do that well, but they're showing like a 10% um, uh, return on investment over the past 10 years or so, it's still doing fantastic. And uh, it's actually up 50% over the last five years. So you can go through T. Rowe Price for that fund. Um, I'm not an expert in investing. I'm a small-time investor, but this is definitely one to watch um, and one to get in. This one requires an initial investment of $2,500, and you only need $100 per month to maintain that. I would recommend going in with someone if you don't have the 2500 up front. Um, if you want to see a bigger return, then you'd put in $10,000. Uh, but this is one of those really guaranteed to grow funds. Um, this is zero price Africa and the Middle East fund. Uh, and it's diversified of, uh, you know, you know, a diverse portfolio of mines, 
um, technology and things like that, um, definitely something accessible to the average person. Another one is the Nile Pan-Africa Fund. You have to look this up to get more information, but this is another one that's up 50% over the last five years. Um, this is the Nile Pan-Africa Fund. This is probably the most popular uh, in, for American investors. And I'm not sure what the um, what the initial investment is, what the requirements are for that one. I'm more familiar with the Tiro um, Price African Middle East Fund. So people would have to take a look at that. And that is um, the Nile Pan-Africa Fund. I know that they are invested in technology and mining as well, and they will manage this fund for you. You just have to put some money in um, and just sit back and watch it grow. Uh, what's another thing that people can do? Uh, my last recommendation, yes. my last recommendation for investment um, is actually going to Africa. That's always going to be your best bet unless you get one of these mutual funds here where other people are doing that legwork for you. Um, the thing about Namibia, which I found very surprising and, and uh, shocking in a wonderful way, is that you can directly invest in businesses. Very, very old school. I believe that this used to be um, something that, that was available here in the United States and also in Europe where you were able to just walk into a business and tell this business that you wanted to invest in it directly. And so, um, again, as Africa is this emerging market, just coming into these types of things, um, it was very interesting to be sitting in a restaurant, um, being with the people that I was with and saying, oh, we love your restaurant. Can we invest in it? The manager goes in the back and brings out an investment slip. And um, you take that to your bank and put that into your safety deposit box, and you cash. You know, you go back to to cash it in and uh, see the return on your investment in a few years, or a couple of decades, or whatever you want to do. But um, I do understand that this is how many people build their wealth very, very quickly in Africa. Um, what Asians are also doing, as well as uh, Europeans, but definitely more Chinese, they're beginning to be very large property owners, um, property holders in Africa. So the price of real estate is being driven up by wealthy uh, Chinese who are buying new developments, housing, and things like that, and renting them out and getting guaranteed income every month. And we can do the exact same thing. Um, certainly we require a little bit more investment and a little bit more legwork, uh, but housing is, a, is at a shortage in Namibia. Uh, they just can't be built fast enough. A lot of Europeans, a lot of Africans from other countries excuse me, <clears throat> want to come live in Namibia because of their excellent standard of health care, uh, their excellent infrastructure, their excellent technology, their excellent business opportunities, um, their excellent modernization. So a lot of people are moving to Namibia, and um, you see a lot of people from outside of Namibia buying a property to, uh, to rent back to people. So um, if you have a little bit more money to invest, that would be a good idea as well. Um, and that's all I can think of right now. You can go directly to uh, to, to the uh, Namibian right. Stock Exchange as well if you want to invest. If you want to find a stockbroker to invest in, um, you know, something that may be a little bit more higher yield, but more risk, of course. What about technology? Technology, again, is a, is a big, booming sector there in Africa in general. You know, this is where you see the billionaires being made in Nigeria and Kenya, in mm -hmm. Ethiopia, in southern Africa, in technology. Um, people want their Internet. <laughs> they want their cell phones. 
you know, they want the same exact things that they see when they travel to the Middle East and when they travel to America and when they travel to Europe. They want that same stuff. And the thing is, there's not, you know, I mean, you can just, you can think of, you don't have enough fingers and toes to name all of the carriers of phone and Internet here in America. Um, But there you literally have one. (laughs) You've got one or two cell phone carriers. Um, another big thing was finance, having access uh, to be able to pay your bills online, having a credit card or a debit card is also very new for them. Um, and there's one company, this man is actually an African-European man who um, who has, uh, his roots are in Namibia though. Um, he started a, uh, basically like a rush card, um, you know, working with Visa or um, or MasterCard to, to uh, offer people prepaid visas and things like that. And uh, this is something that, you know, if you try to start it here, it probably wouldn't do very well because there's so many of those uh, available, but there there weren't any. So he decided to just start that and do it. Um, as well as infrastructure, construction is another huge thing. They're actively looking for Americans with construction companies to come over there and do work. They call them tenders, government tenders. Um, and you can find that on the Namibian government website. I think it's Namibia.gov. Um, I, be, I believe I'm not sure, but if, if you go up and look up the Namibian government, uh, comma tenders, um, you can see. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the women who was staying at the house, a good friend um, of the first family, uh, this young lady I was staying with, still in her 30s, just happened to apply back in her 20s for a tender. Didn't have the money then, but applied to start a bus company. And over the past 10 years, she's just been acquiring old buses because there is no bus in Namibia. There's no buses. There's taxis everywhere, but no buses. So she saw this opportunity to work with the uh, Minister of, Tor- of uh, excuse me, of Transportation. And um, they basically had no Department of Transportation. And she said, you know what, I think I'm just going to go ahead and start that. She's trained in uh, Zimbabwe and uh, trained in Nigeria uh, as far as uh, business school, very, very educated woman, very, very smart woman, um, had the opportunity to stay with her for about five days or so, and uh, she won the tender, and this was a contract uh, worth $3 million, and she's going to start her new job uh, running the first Namibian bus company, which is awesome. And, again, these are opportunities that we would never have here, but that you can go directly to Namibia and start, um, you know, just looking where there's lack and trying to help. I would advise people um, from anywhere, wherever wherever you're coming from, to look to Africa yes. and see how you can help as opposed to how you can take. And that is an attitude right. that they think is very Eurocentric and very Asian-centric, which they don't particularly care for, um, that they see a lot in um, Americans is just looking for how we can take, how we can invest where it doesn't really benefit the average person on Main Street. Um, and so right. they, they they really encourage us to, to look at how we can help. And, she, you know, so, if, you, if you see things like that, you'll definitely do well there. Right. They more so want to see, you know, you roll your sleeves up and pretty That's much right. uh, get in the ditch with them. That's to see how you can exactly. get into fixing the solution. Exactly. And if we can't do it here, if our people ain't ready here, I'm ready to do it somewhere else because, you know, it has to be done. I just have to be in that particular mode. So mm-hmm. this all sounds very exciting to me. And like oh, you said, solar power, <coughs> solar power, solar power, yeah. solar power. Many countries solar. in Africa have but made a dedication. Just did. Yes, yes. 
Oh, my gosh, solar power. I forgot to mention that. If you are somebody yes. with solar power training, to start a solar power company there would be massive <laughs> with a capital M because um, there aren't many solar power companies out there. The only ones that are there, there's probably about three German companies, and they really would like to give that, that business to someone, a uh, person of color. And right now the only people of color stepping up um, are the, the Chinese because there aren't any solar power training schools out there. So most, pe- most of these people are getting their training from the United States and from Germany uh, or other places in Europe. So, you know, they're, they're pretty much at their quota now for Europeans owning these companies. And uh, they looking, they're looking for black people who own solar power companies because they, the, the government has made a commitment there as well as in other African com- uh, countries to rely solely on solar power. Um, Ghana is restarting its nuclear reactor to the dismay of other um, uh, African countries to its own people. Nobody wants nuclear power, but unfortunately they're not able, you know, they they just don't have the, the, the infrastructure for solar power that they wish that they had. Namibia is looking just for solar power contractors, so um, I forgot to mention that. I think I think that you have uh, you know definitely said enough in regards to what's available. You know what I'm saying, and how people can take advantage. Because if somebody's listening to this and they're serious, <laughs> then they can get on board immediately. Mm-hmm. They're, they're um, getting what they you know, need. I don't I don't I don't I don't think that they legalize weed over there yet, right? Uh, no, it's not. It's not legalized, but it is. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. It is a nah, nice you know, pastime. <laughs> that's that's you know our people are, yeah. we 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 talking about getting into that industry. It is growing you know, over yeah, in yeah. this country at this particular mm-hmm. point, and mm-hmm. even that's kind of late, but it's still emerging. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Michael Singleton. I saw that business certificate <laughs> he sent over today for the hemp farming. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's definitely, you know, those amongst us that are moving and shaking and taking advantage of the opportunities that are clear That's and right. present at this particular time. Um, and like she said, these are solution-based operations. You know, you mm-hmm. just have to go places with an open eye and see how can you make this place better, all right? Social entrepreneurialism is the wave of the future, all right? <clears throat> we was at the UN the same day that ACON was there making mm. this presentation and um we were there for the orientation of the NGOs mm. and you know what I'm saying, NGOs are normally the country uh, the the companies that are going into these countries and taking advantage of these opportunities and they are sending the information back mm-hmm. you know to the multinationals and they're sending the little shell companies that are coming and fronting like, like you said, they they the Chinese have figured out how to apply for the minority contracts mm-hmm. by saying, yep. look, we're black as well, yep, because that's the brand and the label, and they, everybody else has figured this out but us. Mm-hmm. So it's it's real funny how we see people doing business globally, and how mm. people just want to argue about what is <laughs> and what ain't, as mm-hmm. opposed to getting busy and getting taking full there. advantage. Yeah, yep. and getting in, you know what I'm saying? So Exactly. You know, it's, it's again, exactly, you're right. Yeah. That's all it's about. It's about just getting in there, going out there, 
and doing doing your research, really doing your research and seeing what the truth of all this is and and like you said, coming in with an open heart and an open mind and seeing what problems can I solve here. And there's so yes. many. It's the Africa is no Shangri La. Do I see a better quality of life there for us? Absolutely one hundred percent without a doubt. Uh but it's no Shangri La and it's not without its problems. As as is, you know, everywhere. That's right. On the planet. Mm-hmm. But how can you implement some like this is I don't know if you heard me earlier when I was speaking, you know. And I just want to remind people because we have this false ideology and this false sense and even ourselves getting involved with certain things that have been taught with more science and stuff like that. You know, mm. this is not your society. Okay, mm. what nobody says. Mm. If you can't get that through your mind at this particular time, you know what mm. I'm saying, we do not own anything in this country. Mm-hmm. And by the looks of things, by the way that, you know, we don't have the burning passion to either. We're not obsessed mm. with success when That's it comes right. to doing for self in this country. <laughs> it's not a burning desire. We're not falling mm-hmm. out with the desire to do for self. We're not falling mm-hmm. out with the desire to, to, to make waves. And, mm-hmm. you know, these Negroes better not come to me talking about anything about taking something over, throwing something over. Mm. They're just not built for that. They just don't have what it takes. They don't have the desire. They don't have the push. They're not serious enough about themselves, their lives, their future. Mm. I seen the TED Talks today where they was talking about the future. Mm. They had these futurists tucked there, you know, because Tomorrowland yes. and everything is yep. what they're utilizing. They have these vehicles where they're now utilizing, you know, this whole futuristic conversation is taking place. And they had these futurists up there talking about, you know, their ideals for the future and what's going to be possible based on this technology that's emerging. Mm. And they got us talking about, like, race, like we in the 1960s. Mm. Man, listen. Exactly. It's, it's a, a distraction. It's a mind walk. It's a, walk, it's you know a distraction. Saying? Like, you can't even so, believe. You yeah, are so my right. My thing is, so right. if you're not going to put your flag down here and claim what you either feel is yours, right, and the reason that you're not going to do it, because I was also watching a bunch of documentaries this weekend mm. about Che, and Fidel, mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. have a nationalistic pride. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That's right. So what are we fighting for? Yep. You're fighting for what? You you say that you're not from America, so you're going to fight for it to do what with it? Mm-hmm. You don't have any nationalistic pride. You're going to ro- fly the red, black, and green flag over here? Like, that's going to be you – know, I, I just don't get it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the plans are not clear. They're not laid the priorities out. are not in order at all, at all. The priorities right. are so not right. in order. You know, mm-hmm. these people that did these monumental things that we, uh, fan, you know, that we um, that we fantasize about, mm-hmm. they had their mm-hmm. stuff in order. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? They saw something wrong in their country and they went back to their country or they started right there in their country and they changed things right where mm-hmm. it was at. Mm-hmm. We have failed to do that, even right in our own neighborhoods. We don't even want to have the conversation in our neighborhoods about the goddamn crack dealers. That's right. We don't even want to get militant about that. We don't want to talk mm-hmm. about our babies as killing our babies. Everything is, oh, leave us, you know, it's mm-hmm. post-traumatic. We can't talk about that. That's not right. Mm-hmm. You're blaming mm-hmm. them. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I didn't even get around to it. I just want to have a conversation mm-hmm. so we can deal with mm-hmm. solutions and systems. You know what I mean? 
Yep. And we can't even, people are so touchy, they don't even want to have the conversation. So how are we ever going to get to the solution? So since we know this situation over here is seriously compromised and quasi-broken, then there should be a emphasis on doing something somewhere else. You know that's what I'm saying? Right. And that's what the focus 100%. should be because the world is ripe. You know, there are many emerging markets across the planet mm-hmm. that can use the implementation of your wonderful ideas that were pipe dreams here in America. Mm-hmm. That if you're serious enough to put it down on papers and understand systems, you can take those plans anywhere else in the world and pop mm-hmm. because they need your ideas That's to right. get them into the future. But your ideas are going to die here if you don't get your ass up out of here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that that was. The I just gotta give it to them, but I mean, it's, it's you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, what you what you just it, said, like, it's you like, know, what what you what you had said, what you said, that obsession with success. I got chills up my spine when you said that, because the, even though the people feel like, okay, yeah, the Chinese are coming in here, they're taking our uranium, okay, because because we didn't know. They're ready to move on to the next step. When I told you, when I tell you, not one person wanted to talk about apartheid. Not one person wanted to talk about racism. All they wanted to talk about is what school you're sending your kids to to learn mining management, to learn agriculture management, to learn t- uh, technology and emerging markets. I mean, these people are not playing around when it comes to their children. And you think that they that you know that that the Asians are bad when it comes to their kids and taking violin and ballet and this, these kids are the level of their education is so far beyond. Africa is coming up in this massive, massive way. I mean, if China's the dragon, then Africa's the lion, you know, because these people are not playing around. They are teaching their children how to mine, uh, how, how to own mining, how to own fisheries. They're taking their countries back, and, and these other countries are allowing them to, to do so. They said, you know what, we took what, what we could from it, and they, but they feel like it's better if we work with them, you know, as opposed to being violent yes. and, um, you know, but but you're so right, this obsession with success. And it's not an obsession with money, but it's also it's more an obsession with success of their people. They go out of their way to find Namibian-owned, Namibian-sourced products. They go out of their way to eat at, um, at restaurants that are Namibian-owned, even if the food isn't that great, but they go out of their way. These people are 100% SWAPO, which is Southwest African People's Organization. They're... they're, they're, uh, they're Elections are landslide wins for black people. They don't play that there. They cannot understand why we patronize our prison industrial complexes. They're like, well, how hard is it for you to not shop at this store? And, they, you know, I had long conversations with them about that. And they, but, but, again, it's that all these distractions, they don't want to talk about that stuff. And, and um, I like what she talked about, Che and Fidel. They love Fidel Castro. They love, they revere. I never met so many young boys with the name Fidel I can't even tell you. There's statues Let me tell you, dedicated to I felt so cheated. <laughs> and I have niece, nieces and nephews, and my nephew's in school, and my mm-hmm. brother's on the line. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that are listening to this program, and, you know, I, I, I know their children, and I love children, and I love these people, and I love my people as well. But mm-hmm. we've got to do better. That's right. We can not allow ourselves to be going to these schools. We just have to do simple education. 
mm-hmm. simple research into education. What mm-hmm. did they build these schools for? They built schools to create labor forces. They I have thought. not modified that program, mm-hmm. okay? Ford and them said, look, just give them enough to be smart enough to follow instructions, mm-hmm. okay? So all of the celebrations that people are having on social networks about their child graduated, and then what? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Did they graduate in STEM? To what? You know, what's you know what saying? for them? Do they have science, tech, mathematics, engineering mm-hmm. uh, knowledge? Like, are they prepared mm-hmm. for the future? Because these are the sectors of the future. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Do they know how to program? You know, do they know how to speak Mandarin? That's it. Exactly. So All these children like, know how to speak are, Portuguese are for real? and Mandarin. It's crazy. They didn't it's, teach it, me about Fidel in school. Mm-hmm. I feel violated. That's right. This man is an international revolutionary hero. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't only put it down in Cuba. He took mm-hmm. the, the revolution international. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are people mm-hmm. that we need to be teaching our babies about. This is what we need to be right. reinforcing our conversations about. And, and not to pretty much start an uprising. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying to flower, to, to water the minds of our children with actual uh, uh, figures of people that were men. You know what I'm saying? People mm-hmm. that stood for something, right. people that had nationalistic pride. We don't even know what that means. And business you know leaders. How about business leaders as well? Political leaders. Business leaders, yeah. business Political leaders. leaders and business leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know uh, business geniuses, you know, political geniuses, business geniuses. Yeah, Our yeah, kids didn't are, even name one there are so many, yeah, business leader. There are so many new ones. There's so many new ones that I always see. This is Africa.com posting all of these new stories about mm. these African multimillionaires and billionaires and yep. young geniuses and Things mm-hmm. that I need, so I'm like, why am I not getting this information? Only mm-hmm. on my timeline, sporadically. Mm-hmm. Why is this the mm-hmm. emphasis not on that? Why mm-hmm. don't we know about the 35,000 millionaires here in America, black uh, uh, you know, black millionaires? Mm-hmm. We don't know their names. Nope. We don't know what sectors they're successful and thriving in. We don't even talk about them. We don't celebrate them. They only got us on entertainers and and, and, and athletes. And athletes, yep. That's it. Social and our 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 hood athlete, heroes, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the hustlers mm-hmm. and shit like that that we yeah. keep recycling. Mm-hmm. So it's like family. We we just want to emphasize to you that there is a big world out there that is teeming mm-hmm. with opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It is like a field with all of this new grass growing. You know what I'm saying? And in a few years, it's going to look like a sugarcane field, all right? Mm-hmm. That's how high the grass is going to be. You can get in early when the grass is just breaking ground. That's right. You know? That's right. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Teach are, your kids these, programming and teach. Yes. You don't need a degree to program. Teach your children programming. My brother taught himself programming. He, he taught himself such a level of programming that he has a bidding war for his skills right now. Um, security uh, programming, things like I don't even know the title of that. Uh, I can't even tell you what it is. You don't need a degree for that. 
Um, I'm taking classes in, in uh, business as well now to complement my edu- my education because I do uh, wish to do business in Africa, um, and there's things that just were not taught to me. You know, there's certain uh, business math and science that just uh, that I, I I have had no no exposure to. Um, you know, take if you have children, you know, there's nothing that an African parent would not do for their child. There's no other option for them. You know, there, there is no option. They're not depending on the system. They're not depending on anybody else. They, that African spirit is to not depend on anyone. And, uh, you know, we need that spirit. It's, it's, you know, it's. I can't even tell you the comparison. When I came back to the United States, um, when I returned here in February, I went through a severe depression, and that's real. When I came back and I saw, you know, that, you know, there's a whole other world out there for us. It's like, what have we been taught? Like you said, you feel cheated. The the level of math and, and science that, that had been taught, you know, that's being taught out there, they don't play around in those schools. When you go to those schools, your head is shaped. Male, female, you wear the exact same thing. You are learning how to speak French, how to speak Portuguese. You're learning your native tongue and you're learning English. You cannot graduate from elementary school until you learn four languages. You cannot graduate from elementary school until you know how to play an instrument like the back of your hand. You cannot graduate until you know science at the college level from middle school. It just, you know, that that, that obsession with success has got to be instilled in us. We cannot be distracted by foolishness, we got to continue to move forward, move onward and upward always, always onward and upward. We can't get upset with what we think. Yeah. What we think is going on What we think is going on, what we think, who we think is, is, um, is, is taking advantage of Africa, who we think is investing in Africa, what we think is going on in, in, uh, you know, in, in Georgia, what we think is going on in L.A. and Missouri. We have to stay focused. 100%. Yes, we need to call out injustice, but we need to pick and choose our battles as well and remember that your life is important, that your life matters and your future matters and that you're coming up on retirement age like like what are you going to what are you going to do? You know, you have no investments, you have no, you know, that the, they wanted to know where I was investing my money. You know, nobody in America has asked me anything like that. It really made me look at myself. When people wanted to know, oh, my gosh, how is the food there? How is the fabric? How are the dolls? I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is 2000, you know, 2015 Africa. Are you kidding me right now? You're asking me about, uh, about no, that, that just was not what it was about. These women are not playing around. They're part of this group called Black Diamonds Investment Company. This is a group of, of black women investing in their own country, trying to figure out how they can get a railroad started. And I have a picture of myself standing in front of one of the the, uh, the women's mansions. She actually owns the most cows in Africa. She's a single woman, by the way, <laughs> looking for a husband. And um, she's uh, only a couple of years older than myself, very young, beautiful woman. I actually sent you the, a picture of her. And uh, she is actually one of the most wealthy women in Africa because her father passed away and left her his cows, which are a number in the thousands. Uh, she uh-huh. owns thousands of hectares of land, of farmland, and uh, there's a picture of me standing in front of one of her mansions and in front of her fleet of cars, and and we're all standing there, and there's a caption under it, Black Diamonds Investment Company, and here I and you know, so it's like this picture is like a glimpse of what life could be like, you know, so and coming it, back yeah. to <laughs> exactly coming Ugh. back to to the United <laughs> States, you can imagine the the sadness. <laughs> You know, the, uh, right. the sadness. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, you so know, they looking but for that's... Tyrone. Is that bomb? Is that bomb? You know, it's nah, that's I'm, what's available I'm, there. You got a huge, it's like women are six to one um, men there, and they all are, you know, they, they're, they're not women until they have husbands. So if there's any men who are looking for very wealthy wives, go to Namibia. <laughs> um. We might have to leave that long dating service after that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, yeah. That's 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 an opportunity to launch an app. You know what I'm saying? Intercontinental <laughs> dating service, things there of that nature. Go. I got some great ideas. I'm not gonna throw them out idea. on the air. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, our people are stuck on the hamster wheel of Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right. And that's all we want to talk about: the pain of getting bombed in Tulsa. Mm. We don't we don't acknowledge that there were thirteen mm-hmm. other um, you know situations Black in Oklahoma. Some of them like some yeah. of them some of them were popped in more than Black Wall Street. Now Black Look Wall Street was only it was built yeah, Raleigh no, I'm saying right in Oklahoma, right in their backyard. Oh, oh I see. Okay, I see. Mm. Black Wall Street was not the top dog, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And um that was built on forty acres of land. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So why don't we build Black Wall Street in Namibia? There you go. Because if you look at it, family, those people that built Black Wall Street were no more than 50 or 60 years removed from slavery. It is my uh, um, conclusions. A lot of them migrated from Mississippi, but I think that a lot of them were actually on the trail of tears. I think that they were not necessarily only slaves, but they also were the indigenous population because we're constantly being fed this idea about who the indigenous were. So these people were a few years removed from slavery and they became masters of industry. How did they do that? You know what I'm saying? They had the best hospitals. They were the best lawyers. They mm. formed the jitney. They formed the cab service. You know what I'm saying? They were the best at everything that they did. So if they can do that in rural Oklahoma, okay, in the middle of cow country out there with limited resources, the only thing that they needed was one another. They wasn't right. servicing the white community. They were servicing their community. They had communal economics popping. If they can do it there, then we can do it over there. We can. It's not what you can do. It's what you can duplicate. Mm. So study how they did what they did. Stop telling me about them getting bombed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Nigga, that only means that you need a Star Wars defense or you That's need right. some air-to-surface missiles. Shit, ISIS just took 2,300 Humvees from the U.S. Army. Mm. I don't want to hear it, B. You know what 2,300 <laughs> Humvees look like? Mm. Come on now. This world is changing, man. We're getting left in the dirt worrying about Caitlyn, man. Mm. Let Kim worry about Caitlyn. <laughs> ain't got nothing to do with you. Let her figure out how to tell Northwest that her grandfather is now her grandmother. That ain't got nothing Not to do business. with you. Not our business. Mm-mm. No. It's time to get busy. So I thank you so much for coming through. And then I, I want to add on just a little bit more because your testimony goes in line with Sister Ali who came from China with Angel, and they mm, gave us yes. their testimony. Now I'm part of a social network group in China where mm-hmm. I'm able to converse with other melanated people in China, Americans. Mm. So I'm I'm getting a whole skinny on what's going on over there. 
Wow. Then our cousin, Will I Am, just came back from Thailand. You know mm. what I'm saying? And he gave us the whole skinny on the Thailand situation, you know, and it's the same thing he said. He said everywhere he goes, only thing that people want to know is, yo, why them people still? Why are your people still in America? Mm. Well, all that they're going through, all that they see on TV, what us going through, well, all of the hell mm-hmm. that we catching, well, all of the energy that we put into building this country, and the fact that they know that your black ass ain't going to fight or do nothing <laughs> to defend yourself, they're like, yo, why are you still there? Why are your people still there? Why are they going through this? What's wrong with them? Why does everyone else in the world know that there's a problem, but we don't? Yep. Because if there's a problem, the natural thing is to do something about it. But since you're so being in your unnatural self, like you at least remove yourself from the, you just saying like get beat up by a bully all day and just come back to school and just give up your lunch money and get beat up by a bully. Every day. You're either gonna fight day. back every day or you're gonna stop coming to school. But you're going to keep going back with the black eye, your shit ain't even hell, and you're getting a busted lip and a busted nose, and then you're trying to get on Instagram like you fly? <laughs> you think the honeys is going to be feeling you? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, what's... Huh? Time to move on, really, in a big maybe way. I'll, maybe I'll miss something. <sighs> Definitely so time this... for us to move on, and it's a lot easier. It's a lot closer at hand than people think that it is. Don't be afraid by the stories you hear because the American news, be it black or white news, is only giving you half the story, if even that. Um, you know, you, you have to do your own research. You've got to get yeah. out and you got to travel. Yeah. Red Pill, you there? Yeah, I'm in the building. There was, a, there was a young brother who looks mm-hmm. at us on YouTube, right? He was in his late 20s. His name is Keith. Met him in Harlem, right? At the juice bar, mm-hmm. he was like, yo, I can't believe this, y'all, such and such. And, you know, we got past all of that. We was talking to him. He's like, yo, I just got back from Africa. Mm. He's like, word. He's like, yeah. He was like, I was seeing all this stuff on TV about Ebola. He's like, I had to go <laughs> over there to see it myself. <laughs> so he went to Liberia. He was like, yo, it was none of that where he was at. He ended up buying the mansion for like um wow. $9,000 or something. Wow. And they're doing the yeah, work fact. remodeling and fixing it. He's going back in November, and he's stressing to us. He's like, yo, please come with me. Get out mm. of this place. You know what I'm saying? They need y'all over there. You know, Africa is so amazing, so wonderful. He was just telling this is a young brother from the street. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I went to, I went to the... um. I went to the same, what you call it, uh, juice bar a few days ago. I ran into a brother online. Same thing. Yo, I know y'all from YouTube, such and such. He was like, I just got back from Botswana. He goes into his phone and he's showing me the pictures. He has a, um, he has a, uh, like, I guess like a not-for-profit where they deal with at-risk youth. So mm-hmm. they brought a few of the at-risk youth over to, um, to Botswana, and they stayed in the village and everything, and he showed me the video. He said that the women have to go and get the water three times a day. Mm-hmm. So they was going to the wells, so he wants to come back there and build something dealing with the water infrastructure. And then, to top it all off, we got Queen Mother at the UN, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, 
who stays, like, going to all of them countries. Mm. And she got all of the ties with all of these presidents, you know what I'm saying, and her main spot in Senegal. That's why she was able to, you know, put Akon in that position where he could make that power move. So I'm in the back. I'm 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 around the power players seeing how the game's being played. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they told us in the U.N., they was like, yo, y'all people are displaced people. You know what I'm saying? It's like you don't have no seat at the table in the U.N. because you don't have a flag. They said you can't wow. sit at the, the at the U.N. table under the U.S. flag. They was like, that's for the European. That's the white boy. <laughs> it's like they don't represent you in the U.N. It's like I y'all is displaced. It's like you're in the middle of the ocean. On a raft. Mm, 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 mm. And it's what they, mm-hmm. the game Refugees. that they told us the first day that we was in there. October last year. Mm-hmm. And I ain't take it personal. I've sat around and I've watched and see how power moves get made in there, who's making them, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, this has a little bit. And I'm seeing who's attending these functions and these summits and what have you, and it's only us. Mm. It ain't these niggas that's, oh, sorry. It ain't, it ain't <laughs> the people that's rabble-rousing, standing on the corners on YouTubes and, you know, on TV even, the talking head, the pundits, and nobody is addressing our issues and, and globalizing them. You know what I'm saying? They told us in the UN on day one, they said, yo, your conversations are localized. It was like, mm. you need a global perspective. Get out there and find out what the children are going through, you know what I'm saying, in Africa. Get out there and find out what youth are going through in India. Get out there and find out what's going on in the slums of China, you know what I'm saying, and then unify (laughs) this particular plight that you're going through because if you go to these places, you'll see that what your people are going through is not that crazy. They just don't want to, you know, put up any defense. They just don't want to make it happen. Everywhere else, they popping off. And they push it back. And their conditions are way worse. You know what I'm saying? But like like Billy said, he said he was at he was in Thailand and he was in a, a spot where a bunch of people was living in the same house. He said he had a hole in their roof and it was in monsoon season, so it would mm. literally be raining in the middle of their living room. He said none of those people were stressed out. Mm. He said none of them were stressed out. You know what I'm saying? He said they was all happy and high spirits because the thing that they have not been able to remove from these people is their love for themselves and their families. So what we see here in this country is that we don't have the love. And it's impossible, like Neely Fuller said, it's impossible to have black love under white supremacy. Mm. And that's Mm. what we have to realize, and we have been led astray. We have this false premise that there's somehow that we can exhibit a level of love for ourselves and our families and our loved ones, you know what I'm saying? That's a word without no merit at this particular point. If you're living under this oppressive system and you're not willing to do anything about it, you know what I'm saying? That cancels out. Love is free. Love is I'm in the fields, you know what I'm saying? Love is not living under restraints and fear, you know what I'm saying? You can't have love and fear at the same time. And our people are very fearful at this particular point. You feel me? So we need to cut it out. We need to be serious about what it is that we want to do, not only for ourselves, but for our babies. We need to stop talking about Egypt and anything that was 5,000 or 3,000 or however many years ago. 
We even need to stop talking about the leaders that we glorify from 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, and we need to be futurists. We know enough. We got enough history lessons. You know what I'm saying? The world that awaits you is in the future. That's your new world. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Take all that fancy shit that you learned and go somewhere else and implement it. And then build up your resources and come back here and do something for your people. Stop playing games. Mm -hmm. That's my diatribe. Agreed. So, Namibia... I'm going to say nothing. Indeed, so Sister McKeeba, I know it's getting late and you are definitely uh, about your business. I know you have <laughs> things that you have to do. I got to get on that um, tomorrow. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. You know, I get up 5 a.m. in the morning, so I, I feel your pain. So you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I know, I but, know. but you know what though? Just now, this is this is a temporary situation, and anything temporary is bearable. And you know, we're working towards what we need to work towards, and uh, we're doing what we need to do right now to make a better future for ourselves. I exactly. definitely one hundred percent be retiring outside of the United States. I can tell you that without a doubt, and I hope that the rest of us will no be doubt. as well. So, um, oh, and also the investment I'm information. Uh, all that investment information will be available on my brother's uh, website, which is www.blackempowerment.net. There's some wonderful KTL video on there as well. <laughs> I just happened to take a look oh, at that. Oh, beautiful. Indeed. Yeah, so, indeed, um, indeed. Shout out to your brother. Yeah, I'm get, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to put all that information, the investment information, uh, in depth. Just give me about 24 hours, but I'll put that on www.blackempowerment.net. Let me ask you this. Mm. Now, in terms of entertainment, because I know that that's some of our people's strong point, mm -hmm. you know, is there opportunities to go over there and teach hip-hop? You know, since you said that they already understand or they're learning English, mm -hmm. right, correcting their schools? Yes. I I okay. think so. I think so 100%. I think to teach um uh, uh, our, you know, to bring our culture over there. Our culture is our number one export in this country, by the way. And um, so mm -hmm. I think there is a huge opportunity. As a matter of fact, one of the things I want to do is have art tours, art tours um, of all the local artisans and craftsmen around there. There are no tours like that, but I did get a chance to speak to many Europeans and many Americans uh, who were in the city area looking around for art tours, um, music tours, and things like that. They don't have any of that. So there's a huge opportunity to um, to bring our culture over there and to, to make a living doing uh, the art that you love the most. So, yeah, absolutely, that opportunity is there. Excellent. I look forward to exploring these opportunities and, you know, coming up with the future because that's the only thing that's in front of us. So we have to claim it. We have to step mm -hmm. to it with authority. You know what I'm saying? Put our arm around it. It's like, you coming with me. <laughs> Embrace it. Embrace it. Like, Embrace you know? it. You mm know? -hmm. So, um, yeah, where do we go from here, Red? 
Are we taking a call or two or something? Is that in the cards? Take a few callers, then we'll go to 11-11, and then we out. Yeah, let's, let's talk. I don't mind answering a couple of questions. Definitely do that. Okay. All right, family, we got 10 minutes to uh, get the Q&A popping. So I would ask if you have any questions, to press 1, and then we will open up your line and uh, question, comments, and concerns, and we'll get right to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to count to 10, and uh, we'll see if we got anybody in the building. We got a lot of callers, but uh, I guess they're just taking notes. They might still be mentally in Africa right now. <laughs> or they're looking up some of those sites as well. Because uh, exactly. that's, that's what I'd be doing. <laughs> Look up those uh, those investment funds and that and do, do your research. And I just want to tell people, you don't have to have a big college degree, but you do need some experience in business. There's so many certificate programs out there. If, you're a pro, if you know even the smallest amount of programming, you'll be able to find a wonderful position in Africa um, starting even the smallest type of computer um, knowledge company in Africa would be huge. There's people who don't know how to use um, Microsoft Office Suite and, you know, simple applications like that as far as the adults, not the children as much, but as far as the adults. Um, and uh, there is a school actually by an American person um, who teaches uh, just basic computing, and his school does really well. He just charges like a small instructional fee, and he's got a, a classroom with some old computers in there that some people don't have access to, to the, uh, from the villages. And he saw this opportunity, and it's it's there. And that kind of thing is huge there, teaching adult education uh, for people who either can't mm. afford college or don't have access to college. Uh, but teaching programming, now you're talking about a huge business opportunity there, if you know even a little bit of programming. Um, <clears throat> a little bit of coding. You know. Yeah, that's it. If you know a little bit of coding and that's all you need is to to, move, to leave this country <laughs> and find yourself a, a really to, good position. They're trying to, yeah, we've been telling, not trying to, and, and we've been telling the family for about a year strong about mm-hmm. that coding language, that CSS, mm-hmm. that H, that uh, uh, Ruby Rails, PHP, mm-hmm. you know, the languages that they built Facebook and these other sites off of. And um, mm-hmm. the opportunities that await the $100,000 a year that you can make in the Americas. Really? You know what you you know what you could do with that in Africa or Asia <laughs> or India, family? Oh my I don't gosh. think people realize that. Like I'm on Fiverr, and yeah, I was looking at um the 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 there were there was the top ten places to live outside of the U.S. You know, for the cheapest, but it was the most gorgeous places. I think Thailand was number one, and I'm looking at the amount of money these people make a day or a week, for that matter. Mm. I was like, Are you serious? These people are making two dollars a day. Mm. And these Negroes out here with, with long faces talking about they got it bad and what they don't <laughs> have and what they can't do. Wearing Jordans, they, you know what I'm saying? Sleeping outside a Foot Locker, talking about how hard things are. <laughs> but wow, we're gonna yeah, go to a caller right. real quick. Let me open up Blue's line. All right, we got a whole bunch of hands shot up. Let's get to these callers. Yeah. Caller from the three four seven. 
798. Peace and welcome to Know the Ledge. Greetings. 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 Hello. How are you? Yes, I'm you're good. you're on live. All right. I'm good. Who's calling? Hi. You know, I'm just I'm I'm inspired by the sisters' comments tonight. You know, I think us as Africans worldwide, especially us in the West, coming from Europe, over here, the US, we've become stagnant due to not, you know, thinking global. Mm. You know, I think, you know, once we begin to be global and do what we, in our DNA, because we've always been travelers mm. from before enslavement, you know, but we've been so stagnant. And I think that's going to help to see us when we become more global and we start to travel more, you know. Can you hear me? I yes, agree. I agree with you 100%. And thank you so much for calling in. You're right. If you're not global, then you're you're pretty much dead in, in this future that's, that, that, that awaits us. You know, as the brother said, we've got to be global. Right. I think we've become too local. And that's mm-hmm. not who we are. You know, we are very expansive <laughs> beings. We're not mm-hmm. we're not good at being local. Mm. So, there you yeah, have so it. Hmm? She's so right. There you have it. When we're local and we're stagnant, you know, things start happening to us that, you know, don't look too good because we're used to moving our energies around and, you know, mm-hmm. being part of an expansive environment as opposed that's to one that's mm-hmm. constricted. You know what I'm saying? That's right. I like in this um, analogy, you know, I, I've used it a few times on the show. It's like putting um, an eight-foot man, two eight-foot men into a four-foot cage. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Inevitably, they're not going to take their frustration on the person outside of the cage that has their feet kicked up at the desk looking at them and laughing. They're going to mm-hmm. start fighting one another because of the discomfort of the cage, you know. Mm-hmm. That is what these hoods and these, wow. and these, and you know, these cities have become, or just okay. the conditions that we're in, we're lashing out at one another because mm-hmm. of our discomfort. We're not even focused on the person that captured us and put us in the cage. That's right. Because well, that that's, that's too distant. And we're also so, getting sick. You know, we're getting huh? sick because we're also getting sick, physically sick, because of the stagnation. It's building up within. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not. This isn't us. You know, we are travelers. We are nomads. We are the original nomads of this planet. We are seeders of civilization. So, you know, we spread our seed across the planet, though, and beyond. But let's talk about the terrestrial aspect of our adventures at this particular time. We just, we got to move around. You know, we have to take what it is that we can offer the world to the world. The world is not going to come to us. That's right. You know? Because when they do come to us, then we complain. What are they doing here? <laughs> Look at them. Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yes, let's let's spread our wings. Let's fly. You know, let's bring what we have to offer. Can I say one more thing? I think it's good. I think we need to, you know, be more open to each other and speak more to each other because we, you know, we feed off each other's energy. You know. Yeah. It's, yes. it's that the hostility that we have towards each other, as um, as you guys just said, it is misplaced anger towards each other, looking at each other like the enemy, and with such hostility, 
and uh, looking at things such a local, you know, we, how on earth are you going to travel to another country if you're concerned about, you know, so concerned about who's moving in on your block and, and all this foolishness, you know, we have to, just like you said, expand and get out and realize that we are global citizens and not just citizens of our blocks and our hoods and things like that. It's about exactly. getting out and traveling more. Thank you, Carla. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to do our 11-11 meditation family on this full moon. We're going to take full advantage of the um, wonderful Sagittarius arch enemy, I mean archer energy, should I say this, in the atmosphere at this particular time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to shoot our ideas across the globe, across the waters, like an arrow globally. All right, and allowing our mind to expand. So I think that everybody knows the drill at this particular time. Feet flat to the floor, tip of the tongue to the roof of the mouth, inhaling through the nostrils, exhaling, meditating to the sound of Omni Pamion. Can we go into it? And we shall be back shortly. See you on the other side.
you know, the ultimate purpose and goal of, of the movement. I don't know how people have been using it, but it's been utilized to do away with the programming that has uh, that has impacted people's subconscious. You know, we did a show two weeks ago, The Rise of the Superconscious Mind, Part 1 and 2. I recommend that everybody who's listening to the show go into the archives and download that. Um, I feel that there have been trips that brothers and sisters have taken outside of the borders of the United States of America to show me that they're not really that they're not really that fearful. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's people flying all around the world going places, but they're going places to satisfy their sexual urges. They're going places to go buy bags out of Europe and stuff like that, you know, going to shop in Rome, you know, frivolous things. And that really doing, it's, about, it's a choice. It's about ignorance versus knowledge. You know, people are not putting their priorities in the right places. So I wouldn't say it's fear. I would just say that our people have, they they have an aversion to Africa. They have an aversion to going back to the motherland because of what Walt Disney and other people told them that Africa is like. You know, they shun Africa, but they'll go to the Dominican Republic and to Cancun, and they'll go to other places like Jamaica because, you know, it's it's cute. You know what I'm saying? They they showed you the, the palm trees and everything, and people feel comfortable with that. You know, right. so they're leaving. They're traveling. They're, they're, they're going places. And let's not talk about the thousands upon thousands of people that are in armed services that have no problem leaving the borders of America to go pillage and, you know, kill in the name of Uncle Sam and be very subservient to Europeans. So I don't what's what's the fear about? I don't I don't understand. I mean, he 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 might so be talking about because he did say the masses. So he he's talking about the population that are crippled in fear. I know people that haven't left their neighborhood. I know people that haven't left their borough. I know people that haven't left their state. Let alone those who are adventurous enough to say, I'm gonna up and go to another continent. You know what I'm saying? And put my flag down and set up shop. So I think that they need examples. I think that, um, you know, those examples have to step forth, you know, as leaders. You know what I'm saying? And once we are mm-hmm. able to establish some form of leadership to show people that not only is there fear on the part of leadership, but there's also success by way of the adventures, you know what I'm saying, and the endeavors and things of that nature, and once a bridge is built, that people would be more apt to say, you know, I might be willing to give this a try because it's a very foreign idea and a very foreign concept because that program that you're talking about is very well-rooted in them being subservient to what they have been fed all of their lives, which is, you know, you want to get part of this American dream. And, it's you know, there's a slice of pie that's yours somewhere, even if it's oh, pie sure. in the sky, you know. So... We, we, we like all things with our people, these ideas have to be strategically marketed to them. You know what I'm saying? They have to be effectively marketed to them. And somebody has to lead the charge. You know, 
I, I like I like that. Now the brother right. who uh, first first made the statement. Yes. Uh, where have some of your travels been outside the United States? Hello. 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 Yeah, I was. No, he said, he said, where, he where have your travels been outside the first US. brother? You said the it's first brother to oh, you, bro. Mexico, yeah. <laughs> Virgin Islands, the Caribbean. I haven't gone to Africa as of yet. Okay. I haven't sure. gone into Asia as of yet or, you know, different parts of the continent. Mm-hmm. Now, that sister who was on earlier, that sister who mm-hmm. was on earlier, I would like to know, what was it that gave her the kick in the ass, catapulted her to Africa? Because, see, I'm a I'm a truck driver, so I travel everywhere. I mean, you brothers are mm-hmm. in New York. I've, I've been up there. I've stayed in Jersey for a minute. I'm originally from California. Yes. I no longer live there, Beautiful. so I get a chance to travel all around. And that... That fear resides not only in New York, but it resides in L.A., it resides in Dallas, it resides in Chicago, where we stay mm-hmm. around there. And, and that is a fear. You know, you see white boys say, hey, dude, we're going to bungee jump. We're going to climb this mountain. We're going to jump over this mountain and, and parachute off of it. But right. it's like, man, fuck that mountain. Fuck all that. We ain't doing mm-hmm. that. So yes. mm-hmm. they're not from a position of fear. They they are from birth encouraged in confidence and superiority. And oh Connor, you can do it. You are so great. But as mm-hmm. men we the people are the most talented giving and 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 has made Unlimited in innovations to America, but yet we're still fearful. Mm-hmm. Yes, Granny is um. Miss Makita Judge is she still with us? You remember the Wiz? No. Uh, the movie Wiz with uh, Michael Jackson. Of course, yes. Yes, yes. I remember you know the Wiz. <laughs> the scared lion. Cowardly lion. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's what, yes. That's that's the depiction of who we are. She's not she isn't any longer on the line with us, but earlier she gave the answer to your question and it was an opportunity that was presented to her. Somebody made her offer that she couldn't refuse and she rolled with that, you know what I'm saying? And that opened her up to a brand new world, to um whole new reality. You know what I'm saying? Because she made her. She she made. She took a risk, and she made. You know, the return on that particular risk was an eye-opening experience, and that's what she came here to share with us this evening. You know, so she paid it forward. So that's what it was. Yeah. You know, and oftentimes it, it is an ass kick. That, you know, there's fire underneath us. That's normally what gets us moving. You know. Um, or like the brother Red said, if they sign up to the armed forces and they get sent around the world and they come back 
with these wonderful stories, both they're driven by their desires, whether hedonistic or materialistic. You know, they want to go and, you know, they want to go and Kim K got married and shit or, you know, they, you know what I'm saying, things that have to take the nature. They want to get their freak on. You know, these are the things that move and motivate our people, you know. So we have to find out what appeals to our desires because people are ultimately driven by their desires. You know, we have to make Africa trendy enough and accessible enough that somebody may want to give it a chance. You know what I'm saying? Fred might have to go over there and marry the cattle farmer. <laughs> and we make a reality show on it. <laughs> you know. Good hallelujah. But hey, it, like I said, it's just like everything else, it's just clever marketing. Um, something has to be put together where we're able to build a bridge into our people's consciousness to have them feel that this is advantageous. You know what I'm saying? This is promising for our future um, as opposed to the the cold plate that we're being served right now. Feel me? Yeah, I've I, I got a suggestion. We're listening, of course. And I've been trying something. And I analyze white people. White people always speak positive towards another white person. Mm-hmm. Hey, dude, you can do it. Climb high, fly high. Dig deep. Can't nobody beat you. Right. I have a whole a whole new let's start small. Let's start speaking positive towards our own people. Mm-hmm. Hey hey people, good things are gonna happen for you today. I don't know how, but it's coming. Peace and blessings to you. Wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. Let's start small. Let's start speaking good to one another, yes. loving one another. Let's start right there. Because you know, the cage door is not quite open yet, but it's, but it's getting ready to open. So while while we are incarcerated, let's start speaking good to one another. You know, you two brothers right now, I, I speak wisdom and joy and peace wherever you go. And I hope that y'all step over a bunch of hundred dollar bills every day. Oh, good thanks, brother. And the same to you, you know. And we would only um hope that that extends to everybody else on the line as well. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the ultimate dream. Amen. Hey, I gotta go, man, because I'm it's time for me to get to get some sleep. I got to get you. in the morning. Yes. We appreciate the time that you spent, the words that you've shared, and your yeah. um, you know, your heartfelt affirmations. All right, peace, love, and light, and continue to be positive in this world, my brother. Peace. Peace, Blessings brother. Blessings on your path. Thank you. Indeed, peace. All right, we have one more caller, and we're going to call it a night. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, 254. Caller from the 254. Peace. 
caller from the 254-681. Greetings and welcome to Know the Ledge. Hello? This is the, the phone right now. Always, always. Um, huh? Yeah. Sound like it was warming up. Um, tonight's show, family, is brought to you by kingscounty.bigcartel.com. That's kingscounty.bigcartel.com. K-I-N-G-Z-K-O-U-N-T-Y.bigcartel.com for your Newest clothes, your spring and summer uh, line. Also, mypowerpieces.com. Check us out. Port us. Let us know what you think. And uh, we will be back Friday with the new program. All right. You got any music you want to leave them with? I wish I had uploaded something. I definitely have things that I want to share with the family. It's just not in queue right now. Um... If you could think of anything else that might be sitting up in there, you know, good bless Yeah, you. we had one more hand go up real quick. Call mm-hmm. up from the 571-215. Peace and welcome to Know the Ledge. From the 571-215. Peace. Okay, interesting. Interesting. All right. Yeah. We have a call. But, um, go ahead. Hold on. From the A seven no eight two six. Peace. Welcome to Know the Ledge. Peace. This is brother Buddha Ali representing Oklahoma. Buddha Ali. What's going on, man? Ali. What it do, my Yo. G? Buddha hey, Ali, man. Man, I, I still need to come out there, man. That Arkansas trip is necessary, man. I ain't gonna talk too much about it, but whew, I need to, I need I need to touch down. Hey man, I'm here for y'all, man. Let me know something, man. I've been I've been in class listening. I've been dipping in and out, man. Uh, I know that you know what I'm saying. I've been listening to everything going on. Be welcome for y'all to come down through here, man. You know, uh, Indianola. I had my man from my BB uh, King hometown listening one night. Indianola, Oklahoma. I mean, uh, Mississippi. The Delta, them boys down there in Delta list of one night. Yeah, anyway, man. Yeah, hey, it's going down, man. I've been appreciating everything, man. I'm just glad to be back in class. I just want to send out a big, a fat hand salute to y'all, man. We're checking everything out and uh, just keep me, in, just keep me in y'all prayers, man. Hey, if y'all before y'all go, man, let me hear that Incredible Hook song, man. That Incredible Hook, man. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, uh, y'all killing the game with that. Oh, man. <laughs> Eerie, man. Uh, oh, man, had me sick. I said, yeah, man, kids are getting oh, yeah. with the incredible hook, man. Yeah, that thing now, that serious, time. man. Yeah. Yeah, that hook is serious. That's that's my magnum opus. I'm saving it for the mixtape uh, album, yeah. whatever comes first, but I need to do something major with that because, you know, not only is it, it's, it's it's one of the most compelling conversations that you know I've been able to muster up out of myself because these are just conversations I have with myself, and I write them down and I make them into pieces so I can share them with the world. But this is my higher mind just delivering a sermon to me to say, "Look, this is what happened. This is how it happened. 
it just so happens that it all comes out very, you know, rhythmic and what have you. But, yeah, that, that Incredible Hulk, man, that's the story of our generation. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, it deserves, like, picture direction. Like, I, I might need to call Spike Lee or Scorsese or one of them folk. You know what I'm saying? Because it, it, it definitely has a mood to it. It is um, it's very special. So, Brad, let's get man. that. Hey, hey, I preach. I'm telling you, man, have me run around here with my pants, my shorts ripped up. I walk down, put on my ripped up shorts, oh, man. Yeah. I, I stepped out with my shoe fib. I down here in the Arkansas, man. Right, so, you know what's crazy, man? though? Right before the show, I was looking at some footage of um, some brothers that I follow on YouTube to do the workout. So, it was C.T. Fletcher. And he had a brother with him called the Hulk. Now he said that this is the strongest man on the planet. Y'all can look him up. You know these are these are they, you know these men are like superheroes in terms of their physical stature and their strength, their abilities. Man, this dude was throwing up like six plates, like it was nothing. I mean, he's just ridiculous in regards to you know his uh, level. So. Even looking at that footage about 15 minutes before the show started, I was like, damn, I need to contact this brother and get him in the video, man. And I was like, I finally think that I got the prototype that I need to push forward on this uh, this Hulk video. So it's crazy that you would tap into the ethers like that and call it out. Because even when Red asked me did I have anything, I, the first thing that popped up on my mind was Hulk. And I was like, uh... I wanted to find mm-hmm. something more. Well, let's get into with, it. You know, I've been writing. Nah, let's get into it. Yeah, 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 but we could get into it. Brody. That. As requested as my yeah. brother, by my brother, Buddha Ali. Exactly. You know can't what I'm keep Buddha waiting. Hey, man, I love y'all, mm-hmm. man. Twin pillars, man. The professors, man. Man, like you too, man. Like you too, man. Y'all got me sharp, man. Yes, I appreciate sir. everything, man. Grant y'all Godspeed. No Arkansas, doubt. Mississippi, Delta family. No doubt. Peace, uh, Dallas, yeah, Dallas and Houston, July. We're going to be out there. Look forward for that date. It's coming up. We open. Yeah. I'm, I believe I'm opening up for A. Rashid in July 11th, 7-11, and then we're going to be in Dallas right after that. Peace you're and love to everybody. Yeah, you're done now. The Incredible Hope theme music. I used to fight, fuck, and dream to it. Roaming on a highway of life like Bruce Banner. On my way to Atlanta like David Banner. Is there another version of the scanners on the dashboard avoiding? Romans on a highway to task force who commenced the acts for license or registration then. There's two versions in that queue. Is there two versions of it in the um next to one another? There we go. The Incredible Hulk theme music. I used to fight, fuck, and dream to it. Roaming on a highway of life like Bruce Banner. On my way to Atlanta like David Banner. Two scanners on the dashboard avoiding. Romans on a highway to task force who commenced the acts for license or registration then. Investigations escalating then. Calling the canine or speculation then. Search dog make cool cats take shirts off. 
sweating fountain, pressure mountain, and you could be narcotics free. You just knew the war on poverty created targets out of anyone involved in black market economics through policy. The long arm of the law got us all in the federal yoke. Word to McGee, you won't beat me when I'm angry. I remember the theme music of the Incredible Hulk. Had us feeling like we could only take so much before we break these cuffs and start breaking stuff like Lou Ferrigno. These booster kids go wherever the meows took us. Taking stuff. Freestyles took us from streets to corporate suites by any means. We gotta make these bucks. I remember days on the ad playing laser tag. Ain't shoot. Seeing them willies in the rain, in the coop. That's when the thoughts solidified in the minds of these little guys. If I'ma make it to a milli. <laughs> to take the same route so niggas from the rotten from gotham ventured down bottom in the freshest of cotton pressed up linen it was like a continuation of the civil war same route same troops going aloof here go the watch here go the car kicking in doors go in your house get on floors go in your couch open up your mouth Put these texts up in them. You can't protect your women? Shit. Roll with your spouse. Put this flesh up in them. The North invaded the South, nigga. Created ripples in time. Shit so sublime. The field niggas was the dealers in nickels and dimes. House niggas push weight. We overlooking the fact that a Holocaust attributed to crack took place. And casualties of war still roaming abroad on battlefields, not knowing that they the walking dead. They said in love and war, all's fair. So we went all out with biological warfare. Now we all stared the impaired, mutated babies, born from the wombs of them ladies who smoked crack in the 80s, in the 90s, in the new millennium. The effects from nuclear fallout dispersed from few to many. So we all affected by the gammas like Bruce Banner, hulking for the green. Put emotion a regime, a team focused on a dream. Pockets get to bursting at the seam, bulging with that cream. You know the acronym. <laughs> What's happening? Niggas from the rotten, from Gotham, ventured down bottom in the freshest of cotton. Pressed up linen, early days of trapping, made them slaves to fashion. Shit so sublime, a ripple in time, a reversal of sorts. New York exports across the Mason-Dixon, crack, burners. We was accessories to mass murder. So hold we to play the victims. The Incredible Hulk theme music. I used to fight, fuck, and dream to it. Roaming on the highways of life like Bruce Banner. On my way to Atlanta like David Banner. Two scanners on the dashboard avoiding. Romans on the pike, the task force. Find a small town and tie it down. What more can you ask for? 
Peace, family. Peace you and yours. Good night. We will see you same bad time, same bad channel on the next episode. All right. Brad, you there?